The material discussed and presented in this podcast is for general information only and any reliance on such material is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Reference to any information, product, process, service, or organization does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by pros. Views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement by pros of them or any entity they represent. Views expressed by pros employees are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, standards, or policies of pros or any of its directors, officers, employees, or shareholders. Welcome to Interface, a podcast where we connect technology and culture through conversation. Interface is brought to you by Empower at Pros. Empower is dedicated to attracting, developing, and retaining Black talent at Pros. Pros helps people and companies outperform by enabling smarter selling in the digital economy. I'm your host, Jenny, and my co-hosts are Cece. Hello, Jenny from the block. Hey, and Maddie. (laughs) All I can hear is your mic jiggling. I'm not touching it. <laughs> it it's, it's connected to my laptop drawer, so maybe I'm touching my laptop oh. drawer. I'm going to try and do better. We're still learning. <laughs> and we are joined today by Kinsani Carter, Director of Sales Operations at Tenable. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Great. 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 Kinsani is another old classmate of mine from UMBC. So everybody should know UMBC by now because <laughs> <laughs> we keep talking. I said about we it. need to just have a reunion. Get out get the whole gang together. We have a good time. We had our reunion was good when we had it in twenty nineteen. That was fun. it was. It was good. It'd be good to have another one though. Post COVID and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, we like to start off the show. Oh, you know what it is? My mouse is on the laptop stand, and then my mic is connected to that, and that's when you're hearing the jiggle. The jiggle. So I need to figure out a better place to. I'm gonna. To I'm gonna it. leave it all in this episode. <laughs> that's the fun. This is. That's this the is, fun of it. This is what happens. <laughs> it's you know podcast trial and error. So uh, as I was saying, good Sonny, um, What we like to start out with is you know tell us you know your your career story um your linkedin looks i mean it's just such a variety of things i think you've done um so i'm really interested you know obviously i, I kind of know the umbc part but yeah right. share with our listeners your story my story like from the beginning or just umbc on because there's, there's elements <laughs> that <I'll... laughs> go go back and forth no um... career related career related there, there's a touch of it that's related to origins yes. in that I'm South African born and raised and came to the U.S. when I was like 11 or 12 speed 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 fast forward through middle school high school and through UMBC but there's a there's a tie in there um, after after UMBC I went to graduate school and honestly my intent was to do research related to breaking down HMOs because I fully believe that our physicians and nurses and medical staff should be in the position to make the decisions that they should for their patients and HMOs were in the way. I ended up not going that path and instead came out with more like a manufacturing, industrial engineering sort of background, which 
to me played really nicely with the math. Jenny, you and I were both, you know, have math degrees and just solving problems was always my passion, still is kind of. Um, so after grad school, started working for John Deere, which is why the manufacturing tie-in came in. But again, very much a, we've got these problems to solve in the supply chain, or we have these problems to solve on the manufacturing floor and take what you understand about problem solving, the little bit of trickles that you learned with IE, industrial engineering, and see if you can do something. It was a little intimidating, to be honest, just because I didn't have that base and background that my peers did. But I really enjoyed it because there's something about visually seeing what you do um, affect change in a positive way, right? So you, you can see like the assembly line is getting more streamlined. They're producing more X per Y and, you know, all, all that stuff. So that was, that was pretty cool. The transition out of hardcore physical hardware manufacturing into software was a whole other journey where with, like I said, there's a tactical satisfaction with I can touch this part and I can do a 5S event where I sort all the things, whereas the software, it, you don't see it, especially if you don't have that background in coding. It's like, I know things are happening. I know things are being produced out of nothing, but I can't see it. And it's hard to kind of, you know, make sense of it. But um, the thing that never, um, I guess the thing that always remained is problems are there to be solved. And if you think about problems as breaking it down into bite-sized chunks, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It's still a problem. You may need the language and the background to understand how the problem came about or what potential root causes are. But once you get there, a problem is there to be solved in my mind. Um, so the, the, the journey through to Tenable was very much in the same vein. It's just the Tenable leg for me was, I think I mastered problem solving enough to want to teach it to other people. That was a transition for me. Ah, so, okay. Yeah, and I, I'm not at all calling myself a master, but I'd done it enough, and I was like, I, I'm sure the variety can't be that different. It's just a matter now of the problem I want to solve is how do I teach others to do what I think I'm doing fairly well. So that that was a speedy trial, a speedy trip through to where where I am now, and I'm happy to do a stopover and kind of give more context <laughs> detail <laughs> if if that helps. But yeah, that's that's how I ended up at Tenable. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think w one thing I'm not familiar with that I saw on your LinkedIn was a Six Sigma black belt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What is that? Uh, it's a toolbox. It's a toolbox and a toolkit of solving problems. It's it's a way of measuring variance and tolerance and understanding the root causes of why you're not at that precise, precise decimal point to, again, solve the problem and get you there. So the parts per million thing plays a role in that. There's very much a, it, it, to me, it comes from a uh, hardcore manufacturing perspective. So imagine you've got your assembly line and you're producing product X and you have to get this many out the door to ship to whomever. Well, the quality of your product's gonna matter. So you've got these tolerances that tell you how close you are to where you need to be. And Six Sigma gives you the tools to both measure and figure out how to solve when you see the issue and look at it at a larger scale more than just your one assembly line. And to me, the beauty of Six Sigma is, or I guess the way I think about problem solving tools is that they're tools. There isn't just one tool to use for every job. You got to figure out what you're trying to do and then pull out the tool. To me, Six Sigma is one of those tools, right? And there are others like 
process mapping or value stream mapping. There's computer-generated XYZ that you can use. If you understand, it all goes back to, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but to <laughs> me, it goes back to, do you understand the world you're in and the problem you're trying to solve? Okay, great. Now, go figure out the tool that's going to work best for it, you know? Uh, okay. Yeah. So does that apply to software? Because, and maybe it's the way I'm doing software. I feel <laughs> like, um, right, you, you, we tried, you know, we have an overall product we're trying to build or an enhancement we're trying to build and we try to, you know, we're agile. So we're, you know, that whole philosophy is like, you kind of, well, you're just kind of estimating as you go and it's kind of chaotic sometimes. Uh -huh. And it's really hard from a management standpoint because you want to say, oh, I'm agile. My team is flexible. We'll work on whatever the priority is at the moment. But at the same time, the people I report to are like, well, how long is it going to take till this mm -hmm. is done? And you're like, well, I can't really say with right. 100% confidence what that would be. Right, and, and your your story about Agile reminds me of a project I did while I was still with, I think it was SafeNet, and the, the task, I didn't use Six Sigma purely, but I pulled elements of it, right? But the task was um, there are certain teams within the DevOps group, and I come from a non-coding environment, so I'm walking in like, DevOps, ops, operations, development. I'm trying to piece words together to make them make sense. They still don't. But at the end of the day, the skill set and the experience that I had, plus the tools that I used was, all right, you're trying to get from A to B. And then after you get there, you're handing off to somebody else who's trying to get from their A to B. Mm -hmm. So if I broke it down like that and said, okay, somebody at the leadership level, maybe it's your own team, thinks, the journey from A to B to the next A to B is taking too long or we're missing stuff or uh, you have to go backwards and you're reworking or you want to add up, but you're not. So let's understand what you're doing. And then out of your own mouth, you'll figure out why you're not getting from A to B in the way that they need you to do. So the, the toolkit, toolbox, whatever I used was process map. I had these brilliant minds, coders, who for a long time I thought, I don't speak code. I don't speak their language. So how am I going to? even pull out from them what I know they know how to fix that they don't know yet, if you get mm -hmm. what I'm saying, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so then I'm like, all right, well, let tell me I'm up there on the walls, like a, I don't know, 10, 12 foot wall with my sticky notes and my Sharpie. And I'm like, all right, what do you do first? What do you do next? And they're looking at me like, seriously? But <laughs> halfway through, they're like, wait, 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 no, sticky five should be here. And then they're talking amongst themselves and they're like, no, no, that's not how I do it. And then all these ahas, like, wait, what? You don't do it that way? Oh, that's why this and that and the other. And it's, it's fun to watch people who really thought I was coming in to consult, you know, the consultant mm -hmm. is coming and trying to tell you, and then realize that, no, it's in your head. I just know how to get it out potentially, you know, so maybe a process therapist. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that sounds really fun and something that I'm interested in. I love watching people have that like aha moment and talking things out. And I think it also goes back to a, a theme that we've run into as we've been recording these episodes of asking the right questions. Are yeah. you asking the right questions to get to the root cause, not yep. just putting a bandaid on it to get from today to tomorrow, um, making sure we're getting to the root of the problem so that we don't run into this again. <laughs> Absolutely. I do not like rework. I, and I use it <laughs> even in, in my current job because rework to me resonates very much with hardware, right? 
mm-hmm. literally reworking the, the part because you did it wrong the first time. But I, 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 I use terms that to me translate. It doesn't matter what field you're in. I'm like, rework is non-value add. That's another term. I'm like, okay, there's value add, non-value add, value map streaming. But I'm like, it's a non-value added activity that is a waste of your time. So we won't do rework because we'll get it right the first time because we're understanding the problem we're trying to solve. Uh, my my software, I'm being triggered. Uh, I, <laughs> I feel like we we often and it's sometimes necessary to write to refactor, and 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 that right, you're right with a with a with a assembly line or a physical thing that you're building. Mm-hmm. You can't build it twice, but the beauty of software is you can kind of rewrite it, <laughs> right? And it right. does take time. And when requirements change, sometimes, so I, I guess maybe what you're trying to fix one problem, which you would write, you know, an application for that problem. Then, you know, next year you get a set of requirements. And so it doesn't fit neatly into that. So then you're like, ah, oh, time to refactor. We're going right. to, you know, kick all this out and, and start it again. So I guess it, it's, it's different. Well, I, that, that. <laughs> reminds me of a current project I'm on in, in Tenable now. We um, we implemented uh, CPQ three years ago, and I was project manager at the time who saw the implementation all the way through. We had outside consultants, and it was, it was pretty cool. I'd never done that type of project where it's a software implementation project versus a process improvement project, right? And now we're three years in, and in my mind, it's like, yeah, yeah, you did it once. But no, 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 no the business changes. The quoting requirements change. You need to, like you said, refactor. And that's not a bad thing. It's potentially a, when you build it the first time, understand you may need to tweak and or all the way rip and replace and maybe build in some flexibility if you're anticipating a tweak or be in line with the vision and mission and strategy of the company so you kind of build it directionally correct, right? So, mm-hmm. but in the moment as, as your client or whomever is like, I want this thing to do this. There's that balance of you do, but then you don't because you're locking your door. You don't want to lock your door too tight, you know, so that I don't, like I said, Jenny, I don't, I don't code. I sit very closely to my partners and business platforms, especially when I give requirements and they need clarification and then I can't help but understand behind the scenes enough to be like, you could use that thing or that thing, you know, and <laughs> so I, I, I pretend to know what I'm, what I'm asking them to do. Um, but they let me, some of them. You know. <laughs> no, I feel that way sometimes too. It's, it's, the, the more years that I get away from coding, because I haven't been coding for several years now, it's kind of like how quickly, and just how quickly the technology moves anyway. So it's mm-hmm. like the stuff I was working on is definitely just not applicable to the things my team is working on now. <laughs> so you kind of have to, yeah, you have to kind of learn how to speak the speak and just you know use your experience kind of like okay this is this is a thing that makes that thing go or this is monitoring that or whatever whatever and i i go i use exactly the type of words you've just said because i don't know the language but i know what i mean and i'll say the the thingamajig that did the thing last time remember and then (laughs) we tweaked it like this but it didn't it wasn't working so it wasn't happy like i i whatever i can (laughs) say to convey the head nod they're like yeah i get what you're saying your word choice is interesting, but I get what you're saying. 
if you run into pushback from like not having that coding experience, how do you navigate that situation? Um, I challenge them and I say, help me understand. I push it right back because I'm like, I, I detect that I'm not getting what you're saying to me. Because when you tell me, you know, especially if it's really, really direct, they're like, well, you don't get it or, or something very in my face. And I'll say, I don't because that's not my world, but I'd like to understand what you're saying. So help me, you know, so I push it right back on them. I'm not going to get a coding, a coding experience or, or, you know, comp sci degree in 10 minutes between meetings. That's not, <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> And I, I'm very self-aware. I know I don't know everything, but once I understand, watch out, because then I can understand the problem, and then we're gonna solve it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then it kind of it also, if you did have that background, and if your path had taken their path, then your mindset would be their mindset, and then you would need someone else to come in and sort it all out for them. Potentially, right? And then you like that diversity in thought, right? And and to me, that's critically important. Um, both in the project team, if you've got people that think the same, where does the creativity kind of get, you know, get in? Um, so, yeah. So um, this is this is a career path that I think I didn't realize existed when I was an undergrad. So, you know, what what would you say to um, you know people kind of who might be interested, or you know, what path would they take to get to where you are today? To problem solving, I. I didn't know it existed either, to be honest. With a math degree, the options were actuary or teach, right? <laughs> and yeah. I also was like, that's oh, not for me. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not seeing that movie. <laughs> so, um, so I stumbled on it, and I, I think it, it um, presents itself in industrial engineering. If you go to like a, a UW-Madison, that's where I went to grad school, or any of the big tens, really, that, that there's something about the Midwest that's really prevalent in IE. I'm, I'm guessing because of the, you know, the, the car manufacturing and, and all the other things. Not to say other areas in the country don't have that, but that's where I found it most um, advertised, most prevalent. IE, it, it'll emerge in any course or in, in your career path through that. Like if you're getting your IE degree, problem solving comes to saying, if, however, Jenny, you're asking about process improvement in the way that I'm doing it, um, funny enough, consulting firms, that's how they kick you off. At least that was my miniature experience with Deloitte for that stint for three months was that's what they do. They're like, you have enough understanding basic without having to be an expert, having to have a, a potentially an engineering degree that you can learn how to solve the client's problems. If you think in a way that says, I understand the world that you've told me and I can work my way to asking enough questions to get to, Oh, okay. That would be a problem. I get it now, you know, kind of thing. Not, not the best advice. So I'm going to sum it up and say something more coherent. I think, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think if you, if you go mathematics and you love problems, problem solving, and then uh, if you go IE, you'll get it. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of it for us at the time, the interwebs were not what the interwebs are now, right? And you couldn't yeah. just Google any question. So I think uh, folks that are in college or aspiring to go to college have a lot uh, available to them to figure out what they want to do. But I, I also think that if you don't know what's out there, you you know, you got to look. 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Non-answer answer, but. I feel like this type of role could be, you could, this could be applicable to any industry. I know in Mm -hmm. my current role, um, just as a training admin and just listening to people around me and problems that come up, it's like, okay, this sounds like something is broken. So let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing? What is the objective again? Yep. Okay, let's go back. What are you doing? What are you doing? I think we need to plug the gap here. So I think um, that type of problem solving comes, it, I think it's sort of an organic thing for certain people who think a certain way, because I feel like I think similarly to the way you do, Kinsani. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll have pockets of people in the organization who sort of think like that. And it's, I mean, I think it's great if you have both of them, you have the, the you can ask the questions, the right questions, mm-hmm. and then also having the skills to fix the problem as well. So you can kind of have a dual role there but yeah I think that's a somebody can organically fall into a a role that way for sure I 100% agree I I think it it spans industry and like you said it's a matter of it might be a I need I want to do this and I don't naturally think that way so I have to train but it could also be oh yeah that doesn't make any sense because I'm watching the your steps one two three and you're doing five before two so wait what you know and curious enough to be to ask the question and say why are you doing it doesn't seem like it's going to give you what you need as quickly as you want also begets more of that thought process i think to speak on that problem solving um going through undergrad when we were like learning how to teach especially in science we're moving away from that factoid base like who invented this at what year to more inquiry based and like the students lead the classroom in their questions Uh, it's structured in a way that it is more problem solving, problem solving centric, and inquiry based. That's awesome. I, I've had the opportunity to hire interns while attainable, and there's some interns I interviewed, and I'm, and I didn't realize what I was looking for until several interviews after, because it was my first time interviewing interns or even having interns, and I, me being a manager was still a fresh thing, but I was looking for um, individuals who were curious, not. I have a math degree and I know exactly, you know, the quadratic formula. I only remember that term, Jenny, because my kids are taking <laughs> or they're taking math and all things. You know, he's my oldest is, is in calculus and he's like, my differentials. I'm like, oh, that sounds like something I should remember. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. Right. So I go back. I'm like, uh, I need, I need to Google or something. But um, anyway, not to deviate. Um, in my conversations with the interns and you're I was allowed to hire two or three at a time and I did and I realized that a person's curiosity is huge and it's not a given and some people just don't have it right and I don't know how to teach that but if you're curious about what you're looking at learning whether you love it or not but if you're curious and you peel back the onion more and more that lends itself so well to this type of role I think because you, you're asking the experts of the process how they do their job because you know enough about the general um, process to detect where things may need to be poked further or peeled back to help them realize how to solve their problem. It's, it sounds tricky, right? It sounds like I'm getting paid to, to, to 
take answers out of people's brains, but that's kind, of, that's kind of what it is. Someone has to do it. I can also view this as sort of that curiosity, and I'm interested in, in this. The curiosity can also have you labeled as like a troublemaker. You know, if you're the person in the room who everybody thinks a certain way and this is how we've always done it and you raise the question, but why? That doesn't seem to be working. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious, culturally, I would say that I wasn't raised in a household where I was asked, you know, like, what is your opinion? What do you think about that? Um, how would you solve this problem? It was more of a, you do this because I told you to do it and don't ask me questions. <laughs> so yeah. has your curiosity, Kinsani, you know, you know, you've been labeled the troublemaker or um, has the kids would say problematic? <laughs> I haven't. Um, I was a kid who, like you, you're, you know, culturally, you do as you're told, but, and I knew it would come back, right? So my upbringing, um, we came to the U.S. because my dad worked for IBM in South Africa, and he was on a special program to migrate to the U.S. for three years and then go back. But apartheid being what it was, we ended up staying. That being said, because dad was a computer geek, he was a salesperson, but he was a computer geek. He bought us a PS2 and encouraged me to figure out what it does. And I remember coding in basic and I'm like, what, 11, 12, all the kids are out playing and I'm inside trying to figure out this thing, this machine. And, you know, so the curiosity was quenched in that way for me in that it was encouraged and it wasn't ever smacked down. But I'm also, I was also brought up to be very tactful in how I approach speech and language and people and almost um, almost too much so to where I have no edge. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I, I don't think I have an edge. So if I'm curious about something, I find the words to relay my curiosity so it does not rub people in a way that they'll shut me down because I have more to gain if I'm, you know, so a combination of those two things, I think, is why I'm not a troublemaker in my head. Um, others may say differently, but... The way I see curiosity isn't like um, like a video game trait. You either have curiosity or you don't. I see it more as like muscles. Like everybody has mm. muscles. And whether like you go to the gym and you work out, your muscles might be big. And you might start from a point where your muscles are already big and like you're genetically predisposed to having big muscles. But like if you go to the gym and you work hard, like your muscles are going to get bigger. And like you can develop that curiosity in the same way. I like that. I like that. I'm pivoting my thinking. What it reminds me of is I think in school, I remember there'd always be that one person in class that just asked too many questions and you just were like, why are they asking so many questions? But to to answer your question, Sierra, like um, they're annoying, but I also want that person on my team because I know that person is going to you know, whether they do it in a tactful way, like Kasani, or if they're just kind of, <laughs> people have different personalities. So sometimes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sometimes it's a person who's, who's curious or, or, um, you know, challenging, challenging what's going, the, what's going yeah. on and they do it kind of in an annoying way, but ultimately, you know, that they're, you know, these questions are because they want to make sure that we're putting the best thing out there. And, yeah. and, you know, you know, Kasani's talking about, interviewing people and you know you know are are there curious people like yeah if they don't have that they're 
they're, you know, it's going to be harder for them. And I used to be very shy. So I used to not say anything. I think things in my head and I wouldn't really say anything. So um, for all the listeners out there, if you feel like, well, I don't know if I should say things or, you know, it's better to say it and make and you know, risk being a little, you know, yeah. <laughs> getting it out, maybe not the most, the best way, <laughs> but not saying it. Cause then, yep. then, you know, this person's thinking through the problem or they're right. trying to understand it mm-hmm. or they're trying to, you know, enlighten me to their understanding of the problem, which might be different than mine. And I might be, you know, I might be misunderstanding it and they might be letting me know, Hey, you didn't think about all these problems that we could have over here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, a member of my team who is probably more the vocal person and probably speaks before they think, but man, the number of times that they've dropped that bomb in chat or verbally where we're like, huh? <laughs> and then we all, we all pause like, wait, oh yeah, you're, let's explore that. And so it's the diversity of thought thing again, right? Yeah. Where it's like, we can't all be the same. Otherwise, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Things won't be as good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The next question is diversity, mm. representation in companies mm. has been hot topic. I think everybody who's not crazy agrees that something should be done, but yep. we want to know what should be done. What is the action? What, what do you think? How do we bring more black talent into STEM careers? That you're right. It's, it's the topic. I think I think in or talk about it at least once a week with somebody on on some level. We talk about it in, in our house, my friends and I obviously, and, and even at the job. How do we bring more black talent? Um, it has to start at the very beginning. When I'm going back again, right? My dad, I'm fortunate. He worked for IBM. I'm a nine, 10 year old playing with a PS2, not intimidated by a computer thinking it's normal to such an extent that he um, he would let me create spreadsheets for his sales um, presentations, right? And I was just like, oh, it's a grid and it makes sense and it totals and because math, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I've never felt the, I don't belong in STEM in the way that I've heard it articulated by others or I wouldn't be good at that or whatever. And I, I there was something I was watching. I can't remember if it was an, an uh, article in the video within it, but the, the, the author was just saying, you know, if it's a natural thing you're exposed to as a kid, most of us are curious when you get to the point where you're trying to figure out what you want to do. It's not a foreign thing. You expose kids to music, they may play it. And then when they get to where, you know, it's high school, it's, it's not a foreign thing. So I think it starts at the very, very beginning. I used to think it was, oh, we got to get us in college, but I don't think that's good enough. And I used to think high school and I was like, no, that's, that's not far back enough. <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, when do we start? And it was like, start when they're born. Why not? You know, start when we're born, just like everybody else and, and give us the options or to think about ourselves in a way that we don't right now, then that may be the, all the books, that are available are available and represent us as well as others. When you're reading to your kid, you said, um, Sierra, you have a one and a half year old. I don't want you to have to look for books that have people in them that look like your kid. It should just be on the shelf, you know, or the television show shouldn't be something that, you know, your friends 
slacked you or chatted with you. Ooh, you got to catch the show because it's got, no, it should just be. It should just be. It should just be. And I'm super optimistic. I am optimistic and, and sunshiny most of the time. But with this one, it's like, we got to start at the beginning and give every child a fair shot at being interested in something that they might be interested in, whether we've traditionally been there or not. No, we got to, we got to start at the beginning. I do feel like generationally the tide is changing. I think if you just listen to the way children talk and how they, you know, kind of view the world, mm-hmm. they is just like, this is my, you know, friend Jose and he's Hispanic, you know, he's brown and I'm I'm black and that's my friend. And, you know, there's just this... and. I find it funny it's as a parent trying not to push your sort of biases or your trauma onto your children's like just let them be let them explore um the way they want to but I I can see even in this generation coming behind us where it's like we belong no matter what and whatever I need to do, whatever window I need to climb through, whatever crack there is, I'm going to find a way to make my voice heard, you know, and if this person won't listen, then this person will. And if you won't listen, then I'll go that way. And I think it's, I think it's just a generational change that's coming where I think it is going to be more of, it just is, you're not having to go out and search for it. I'm yeah. I'm encouraged by what you're talking. Sorry, Jenny. I'm encouraged by the generational difference in that way, because for my generation, I think it's hard to flip and become that way, because it's been so this way for so long, and the walls are up. And yes. I'm at you know I'm in conversations or spaces where I'm being asked to pull the wall down, and it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't happen if you don't do it. That's yeah, you have to be intentional. I come from the we don't see color generation, so Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely funny? No, go sorry, go ahead. I was interrupting you. No, like Asani was saying, it's it's nice that, you know, when my kids are coming up, they could say, Oh, this like you said, this person is you know, this person is Hispanic, this person is um or Latinx, I think is, I'm still I'm still learning what I was supposed to be saying, but um, or you know this person's Indian, or this person you know has two moms, or this person has you know, and just being able to openly talk about it, where before it was kind of like like I definitely remember Mm-mm. being in school and people be like, you know, who is it? You know, instead of just being like when you're the only black person, it's the black person, right? That's the yeah. easiest way to filter down yeah. who it. You know, yeah. it's the girl. She's kind of short, kind of tall. She's this, she's that. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. She, you can, she's black. You could call her black. It's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. different. I still struggle with that as a black person. I'm like, okay, do I say black, African American? I'm like, African American seems so formal. She's black. Let's just, let's just. I'm, I'm black. Out there. I can't. Uh, I'm from the black generation too. I'm I can't. Black. I can't do the African American. Kasani <laughs> <laughs> may be African American. <laughs> Literally. But I am not. Literally, yes. Yeah, she's literally from Africa. She's born there. I, I, I am not. So, um, 
My child corrected me and said, Mommy, we're brown. Look at the color of our skin. We're not black. <laughs> said, you're, you're right, boo. We're not brown. a point. You have a point. <laughs> we're all shades of brown. Yeah. yeah he, was, he was way younger at the time, but he's like, no, we're not black. We're brown. He's looking at his like, wrist like, we're, we're brown. And I'm like, yeah, we are, boo. Yeah. Yeah, that's better than when your kids are like, you're not as brown as the rest of us. <laughs> my kids have pointed out to me <laughs> those little jerks <laughs> listen we we've got a spectrum in my house also my husband is about the color of that lamp and so my children are various shades between that and me so we've got a little rainbow coalition happening in my house so i get it <laughs> um yeah, it's more, it's more than just start early, though, obviously, right? Because you have people in the middle. You've got middle schoolers, high schoolers, college folks, people in the workforce, and more than just start with the babies has to happen to get more uh, people of color in tech. Well, it kind of boggles my mind that well, I don't think that coding is a standard course that students take in high school. Right. I don't I don't think everybody I don't think it's like science or biology, you know. Oh, okay. As in it's an it's an elective or it's not all I think it's an elective. Mm. And at one point, I don't know about now, it counted as a foreign language in Alvin ISD and I laughed so hard. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. A foreign language. Oh, it counted my as a foreign language. I don't think that's the well, I don't know. I haven't checked, but um wow. it's not a foreign language. It's it's yeah. It's a different thing. I mean, in in our school district, I, my son goes to a magnet school. So it is a STEM focus. Like they do regular curriculum and then they have a, you know, STEM arm or STEM branch. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if in these non-magnet schools, if that's even a conversation because he's done robotics. Um, he's done coding already. Uh, he's like, mommy, this class is hard. But I'm like, you got an A, so you're doing something right. <laughs> but, you know, it's no, a No, I know my daughter didn't do, she in undergrad, she did a course where she did some, like, HTML. Hmm. And that was the first she, she had done it. So in this day and age, I would think every school, right, it should be kind of part of your core curriculum. Because if you don't, if you've never tried it, how do you know? You know, I understand how to write, you know, yeah. reading, writing, arithmetic. You know, this is kind of like the other extension is, you know, try this too, because there's, you know, all kinds of options or or related, you know, careers related to that. So I think it's another big conversation of just being exposed, as you were saying, Kinsani, like it was just a natural thing. Your dad worked at IBM. Mm-hmm. It was just a it was, you know, cop, um, what is it? Dinner table talk. You know, mm-hmm. this, this is just a part of my life. And I think. And a lot of, you know, underrepresented communities, that's not, right. you know, a part of the conversation. Computers, what, you know, my, my mom probably doesn't have a laptop. My dad probably works in the blue collar industry, mm-hmm. you know, and I think there should be a bigger push in schools where at least they get the exposure yep. there um, where they may not be getting it at the dinner table or my, you know, my parents come home and and talk about these things. Mm-hmm. I think that also makes a huge 
difference in people who say, yeah, I can do this. You know, we, we talk about all the time or I've, you know, I've experienced this. My mom does this or what have you. So um, I do, I think it should start very early also. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Totally agree. Any other follow-up on this? The awkward silence. <laughs> you just want to make sure we don't have signal. I don't know how to read everybody yet to know if they've got more, more, more to so, say. Um, if that's the case, it's time for the heat check. Heat check. Heat check. Heat check. I don't know about that one. You might want to. Maddie, you got to get in on the You're heat check. You're supposed to give me a to play. Oh, am I? Air horns. No air horns. I heard an air horn, I think, in a video, and I was like, I hope they don't suggest that. (laughs) Please, we need to come up with something. Otherwise, I want to keep going. Go heat check. (laughs) We've already done it for like two episodes. This is the third, I think. By next week, I'll have something. We come up with a song. (laughs) It is now time for the heat check. That is always killing our vibe. <laughs> it's okay. Y'all we still so love fun. you. Y'all are so much fun. This is awesome. <laughs> we try to make it fun. We, we we really appreciate you spending your time with us. So yes. we, we don't want it to be, uh, you know, like an interview, like yeah. a formal interview. No, this like, we're hanging like out. It's, it's a conversation hangout. We're hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> So he checks where we share something that we thought was cool recently, or we excited about as far mm-hmm. as technology or the culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is there anything concerning you would like to share? Um, I, I saw tidbits of this documentary. Um, and I, I don't documentary. My husband does that. I do shows <laughs> for entertainment, but I saw this. Um, it was, I, it was a Netflix thing, and it was about AI. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's, no. it's not. It's not recent. I think it's a year or more old. But the the topic, or I guess the the whole thing was, um, it was a woman at MIT. I think she's an, she's an instructor, trying to create something really cool and needing facial recognition software to play a role in that, and then finding that what was available from all the giant tech companies did not recognize her face because of the color of her skin, maybe the features and stuff. It was just, it was interesting. And then I I was kind of going deeper into it. Like, well, what role does AI play in all of our lives? A lot of me in my head, when you say AI, I immediately think like robots taking over the world, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Like a, you know, substituting us and we're, you know, in a ditch somewhere and they're taking over our families kind of thing like the terminator yeah right or yeah <laughs> i robot or very yeah. very future like oh that's far far away that's not us but no it's here it's happening right now and it's affecting our lives as we speak so to me i don't know how many of us are wide eyes wide open on it everything from voice recognition to facial recognition to patterns in your scrolling to all of that is influenced by people who coded the machine to do the thing and they don't look like us not enough of them do right and i'm not calling out um in any way malice 
um, calling out absence, mm -hmm. right? We're, yes. we're not there to say, wait a minute, that's not how that, or that's not what we, and so there's assumptions and there's data, which eventually will get it right. But in the meantime, what's the price we're paying, whether it's our freedom or money or whatever, because we're not at that table or behind that desk to say, no, 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 computer, you're doing it wrong. This is the way to do it because this is what I do. This is what we do. This is what we look like, right? Um, and then even even more so, not even on the scary iRobot taking over perspective, but what opportunities are companies missing by not having us enough of us, right? Like the world is so small now that it can't just be for those who have the means or whatever. When when you are selling or when you're creating or selling a product, I think it's incumbent on you to not think so small and understand that there's an entire population of people that you could be missing out on just because your perspective is narrow, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah. What did yeah. they say? Like, if you don't know how it's getting like the, where the money's coming from, then you're the product. What's that saying? You yeah. know, have you heard that before? I have. Yeah, I, I know have. what you're talking about. I don't know. Yeah, me too. I don't know. That. And is that show called Coded Bias? I yeah. Looked it up. Okay. Yes. It's called For anyone Coded listening Bias. that wants to, <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. Into it. I mean, I think it, we talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to look that one up. Coded okay. Bias. Yeah, I haven't seen that oh, one. Yeah. Add it to my queue. Yes. <laughs> I have a legit Netflix subscription now. I was using my brother's. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. I'm a grown up, so I bought my own. The Netflix police is coming for you. you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. There, I've got, like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, some people call me Pollyanna because I... I I default to rose-colored glasses most of the time. I just do. It's hard to take them off. Sometimes I have to because reality, right? But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm hopeful that the, the things that you guys are doing, this sh this type of show, I'm sure a plethora of other things that you're doing to bring awareness and to help move the needle. Maybe scary iRobot won't happen for us, right? Because maybe yeah. we'll sit behind the desk and be like, nope, that's scary iRobot for us. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. You need to you need to code that way because that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, the the goal of this is to see more of us out there and make sure we're working on all those things that are going to be in everybody's homes, you know, right. on their phones that they carry around. You know, we want to make sure we're involved in all of that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I hope so. And some of the involvement could be we're aware, right? And if we're in a conversation. I'm fictitious, right? You're in a conversation, you're at a bar, you're talking to somebody you don't know because you're waiting for your friend or whatever. You understand enough about this topic that when that coding uh, director of coding, I'm saying all the wrong things, director of IT who's responsible mm -hmm. for, you know, 50 coders is talking to you and there's something that you say that influences his or her thought process and then delivers into the 50 people, like it could, right? But it yeah. doesn't mean you're the coder. You just happen to understand enough about what's being done to have an opinion right. to influence a decision or whatever the case may be. That is so true. Yeah. yeah. CC Maddie, you have a heat check? Yeah. You want me to go next? I, I can go. I can we go. also have a order. 
other than the guest was first. We we should probably figure that out going into the episode. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Sorry. Okay. Um, who's going next? I'll go. I'll go. I know Sierra has an iPhone, so this is good news for her. Um, starting next year, Apple is releasing. They're releasing the tool, the parts, and the like manuscript or the. Man- yeah, the schematics to like repair your own iPhone or Mac. Wow. Um, huh. But then, like, at, uh, supposedly it's not going to be super accessible to like the everyday folk. So you're still going to have to go to a store. Of course. Of course. I mean, but I think that's a big thing for Apple because, you know, they want to keep everything secret. <laughs> give me money and I'll fix it. Do you I'll have to go you. to there's, there's third party vendors that can fix your phone though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. super expensive still. Why are they doing it? Is it a I think it's a you know how like Congress is kind of coming down on the tech giants. It's the, like a big thing with the right to repair cuz if you buy a cell phone and you can't fix it yourself, like you have no right to repair it. Like do you own the product uh, at that point? I think like a car, like I could change my own oil if I wanted yeah, to. That yeah, that was like a big yeah. thing with John Deere. Mm-hmm. Oh. Cool. Proprietary repair shop. <laughs> That's <laughs> weird. Yes. <laughs> All right, Jenny, you or me? I'm going to go. I'm going to go next. Okay. Do you want to go next? No, 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 go ahead. Okay. So Outperform, Pros Outperform, our annual conference, one of the speakers, Patty Azzarella, who wrote Rise and Move. And I actually have Rise on my shelf. I'm not so good with reading. I I know how to read, obviously, but it's just um, (laughs) reading books. (laughs) Yeah, it's making the time. And then when you finally get to it, you get like three pages in and then you're like (laughs) sleeping. So I actually have it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I really enjoyed her talk. Um, The title was Move, Leading Business Transformation. And she was talking about when executives have a strategy, like every year, right? There's a new strategy or, you know, we need to communicate to the the company what what that goal is. And talking about how to communicate it and how you kind of have to, you have to, you know, follow up and you can't just kind of be like, I want this to happen. It needs to be happened by December. I'll see you in December. Like that's extreme, but you know, most people don't wait till December, but they'll, they'll kind of check in, but talking about how, you know, you really need to make sure that you're getting feedback and having unstructured conversation about, you know, what the stakeholders or even just like, you know, you know, down to all levels, how does this impact, you know, how does this decision or this thing that you want to do impact you know, everybody and, and what are their thoughts about it? And that helps, that helps everyone grow in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I really resonated with is because I love my, um, we use Confluence and I love a good Confluence. Like when I have a project or initiative, I'll create that table and I like to put in the little status icons and mm-hmm. put them in color and be like, you know, to do, to do, to do in progress, complete. And I love mm-hmm. putting them to complete. Um, so she she was kind of kind of saying the same thing because sometimes when you roll out these new strategies that some people have not heard anything about and they're just like where is this coming from? She's like no, you need to communicate. How did you get to this part? Like what research did you do? And have a timeline that says, you know, 
we had an idea, we, we did this research or we met with people with blah, yada, yada. She's like, you are here, you know, in the middle of the timeline. And then all the things kind of need to, to happen um, until it's done, you know, until it's done. Mm-hmm. And um, just remembering, um, I'm kind of an over communicator and people make fun of me because people joke like managers, the solution for everything is to have a meeting, which I love a good meeting. (laughs) 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 But I love it because, you know, that's, you know, I kind of feel like you need to, you need to write it down. You need to talk to them about it and have interactive. And then even on one-on-ones, I'll be like, I wrote this down. We had a meeting about it. How do you individually think about it? Just to make sure, you know, the message is getting across. And I, I've seen that when I, you know, when I get busy and I don't do all those steps, the, you know, the whole process is a little rougher than, than mm-hmm. it needs to be. So that's why I, I always default to a good meeting. Um, <laughs> but it was good to hear her, her say that. So I, I try not to, oh, sorry, my team for always scheduling meetings, but um, <laughs> there's, there's a method to my madness. Not um, all yeah. meetings are terrible. They can be valuable from time to time. I try to make them have a purpose, right? They're not right. just meetings for the sake of meetings. Because I know yeah. some people are like, well, let's just meet every week to yeah. check. You know, yeah. it's, it's supposed to have a purpose. Um, so, you know, sometimes I do better than others. So, um, but yeah, I thought it was an excellent talk. Um, and I am definitely going to read her book. I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Me last. So I was laughing with Jenny earlier. I was like, oh my God, I haven't found my heat check for today. And when you go looking for something, you can never really find it. Mm-hmm. But I came across a trending topic from um, on Twitter about um, the Cash App company has now released Cash App for teens. So anyone 13 and over can now uh, create a Cash App account. And at first, as we were talking about it, I was like, oh my God, I'm not ready for that. I don't, you know, here we go, getting kids more involved on their phones and blah, blah, blah. But then as I was ruminating and on my soapbox, I was like, actually, it's probably not a bad idea. Um, I know for myself growing up, there was not a lot of conversation about financial literacy. Um, As a kid, you know, we didn't get insight to how the bills got paid and why, you know, how we have lights and water and, you know, mom and dad go to work. But what do you do all day at work? I know I go to school and I do all of these things. You know, what are you going to do? So um, um, we were also talking about, you know, my son, he got his first wallet this, you know, this year he started seventh grade. I was like, son, you need to have a wallet and carry your money and blah, blah, blah. But um I think this, you know, starts the conversation of how to manage your money. That's a really important conversation. And the the younger you can get them, the better, you know, how important it is to save. I am now learning at the ripe age of 35 how important invest, investing is. And I wish I would have known that many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are, you know, more tools that, you know, parents can use to help have that financial conversation with their children and how to be responsible with your money, how to manage things, you know, and it's a great way for, you know, kids to be social. You know, I'm always surprised when I hear my son, he's playing video games with kids from his school. The other night he was in his room. I'm on discord with some of my classmates. I'm like, how the heck do you even know what discord is? And what are y'all talking about? (laughs) 
but um yeah having it opens the door to have those conversations with our kids especially our black and brown little boys and girls um how important that is so that they can start ahead of the curve um when you know they have their first job how important it is to make sure that you're saving start you know saving for retirement as early as you can um uh, talking about debt and I, I told my son he's way too smart for me to have to pay for him to go to school so we're working on scholarships and mm-hmm. I, I mean I really don't want you to take out loans which I have that's you know always an option but um still having those conversations about you know being financially literate and understanding you know what credit cards are and how you know awful they can be but Mm -hmm. they can come in handy in some situations you just have to be responsible so um I thought that was a pretty interesting and I knocked myself right off my little soapbox really quick (laughs) on that one (laughs) so yeah cash app is now available to uh kids 13 and and up I mean how do kids these days like when I was a kid like you see the money come out of your mom's wallet to pay for things now it's just like swipe 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 and they don't yeah how do you comprehend that you know there's a balance and it's it's smaller and I I mean Chase Bank has like a really good uh, banking system for kids and it's also, I mean, I think you can still have that conversation. I know no one balances their checkbook anymore, but still kind of going back to that, how you kind of manage your money that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was amazing to me. My sister-in-law is a school teacher and she taught second grade for a really long time. And this was just a few years ago. She pulled out a newspaper, like an actual, and her kids were like, oh my God, what is that? She's like, What? you don't know what a newspaper is what world are we living they're like google we google everything so it's just the world is changing in such a weird (laughs) such a weird way but yeah my my son still thinks cash is gold he's like can i have can i have three bucks to go do the thing i'm like sure (laughs) i never have cash it's always it's always like a thing it's like can like can I pay? Can I just sell someone? They're like no, I need to take so cash. Get, get your kid the cash app so that you can send them some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to. Well, thank you so much, Kasani. This thank was you fun. Guys. Yeah, this was pretty cool. This was pretty cool. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think sometimes you don't know how you're thinking about things until you're asked and you're in that conversation and you self-reflect. Um, so I, I'm going to be thinking a lot about this, right? And <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, you know, my everyday is I go to work, I come back, I do the dinner thing and then we do school and then soccer on the weekend because one of them plays and, and cello on the other side. So, and then it repeat, right? But the, wait, what do I want to think about outside of that project? <laughs> There's no time for that. But if you have a conversation like this, it spurred some stuff and you're like, oh, okay, maybe. Yeah, look, you have things to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, yeah. and you, you sound very wise too. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. Thank this you, is a good time. So <laughs> yes. Wise, that sounds like cool. <laughs> you got you got that black girl magic going, girl. I like yes. it. Yeah. Y'all are so kind. I appreciate it. No, this is a ball. This is a ball. I don't know if you do repeat guests, but if you ever feel I would love to join you. Well, we're gonna again. do the Meyerhoff reunion at some point. Yeah. So 
We would definitely need to bring multiple people. I've been trying, I've been talking to some others and they're kind of like, yeah, I don't know. So we think once we, <laughs> that was so once we start releasing some episodes, you know, the people are going to be like, oh, that sounds like it's fun. I want to be a part of that. So yeah. Um, and if I think it's, we are a good time, you I, I are think. definitely a good time. <laughs> So if people want to get in touch with you to hear your wisdom, how would they get in touch with you? Um, I am on LinkedIn for sure. I'm on Instagram. I did not send you my details, but I will. I think, I don't even know what my handle is. Is that a thing? Handle uh, on Instagram? It still is. It's still a thing. Okay. I I, I don't know. I I had to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll stick that in the show notes for the listeners. Um, That sounds good. Yeah. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode. Uh, we, I hope you had a good time. If you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed this conversation and you want to have your own conversation, go out and ask somebody. That's it. Is that it? <laughs> is That's that it? Go out and ask somebody. Kinsani, we've been trying. What is this, episode nine? We have been trying to work on our closer for nine long episodes. We're getting what was, there. What We're was not. the closer last time? What was, what did you do last it time? It started out with finger guns. It was like, thanks. See you later. <laughs> I, had to, I have to like do creative stuff for these endings. So <laughs> I, I actually cannot wait for this one. It'll be good. It's into our outro music, which I love our, I love our music. When you said ask somebody, you paused just right for like two, three seconds. I was trying to see Sierra and Matthew's reaction. Like I was I was trying I was waiting to see how you were gonna get there. I was like, man, this this should be entertaining. <laughs> It'll you got it. We'll, you got we'll you limped. You limped there. It's it's fine. It's great. Yeah, it's a good okay. time. The good thing is Maddie just fades it to the music, and so people know. Right, episode's over. Thank you. This is something that we, we need. We need to poll our potential listeners. Hey, we we need we need a closer. We we need a closer. Help us out. Yeah, for sure. But yes. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, I also forgot this part. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email interfacepodcast at pros.com with your suggestions for our closing. Awesome. Uh, we really appreciate that because um, we don't know. It's not working. We'll see. We, we will get there eventually. It sounds yeah. like drums in the background with your mic. I wonder if that's a closing. Oh, that's what Matthew says. I wonder if it's wrong mic. Thank you. <laughs> Maddie's like, finally, some, somebody's Someone else hears it. <laughs>